episode of Radio Midnight. Can you believe we are already on episode number five of the really? podcast? Yeah, I know. <laughs> the I podcast. Didn't we we are. We had well, technically five and a half. Yeah. So we've we've been we talking had our, uh, our Halloween episode. Exactly. So we've been going on about the mysterious, the unexplained, and the simply spooky for a couple of months now. Wow, Feels like it's forever. passed by very fast. <laughs> I know, Steph. I know. No, not because of you, but you know, I feel like we've covered a lot of ground, and especially getting those listener episodes in there. And we hope that you all out there were able to listen to them to get into the mood for Halloween, which was this past Halloween weekend. Is, I can't believe Halloween is done, and now it's Christmas. I know. Like well, Christmas I mean, started the day after Halloween. Some people put their lights up already. And I'm oh, like, really? Hey, like, <laughs> give, give us give us some space to breathe. Like, okay. no, I, I mean, I, I love it. I on November first, I I woke up uh, my husband by playing "All I Want for Christmas Is You." So <laughs> my tree no, is didn't. out. I did. Yeah, the tree is out. Uh, I my birthday is at the end of November, so I told him yes. like. My my birthday's in the middle of the week. It's on a Wednesday, so that weekend is is the day that we're putting up the tree. I put it on the calendar. I'm so excited. There's a bit of snow this morning, and the lights are up near where my my work is. So I'm like, I'm in the mood. I'm ready for it. And I'm kind of disappointed that in the next few weeks they're calling for some really warm weather, like 14, 15 degrees. But you know, Christmas the Christmas season is here, which is awesome. Even even just a little bit of chill because my last two Christmases last year I was in Australia right. and the year before I was in the Caribbean. So this is my first white Christmas in two years and my husband's first white Christmas ever. So I, I'm really I, excited. I do hope it snows because it doesn't always snow on Christmas where we are. Sometimes it only starts like really settling into I know. beautiful winter wonderland after. But I'm also looking forward to Christmas because I've because we couldn't take any vacations this year, I'm just going to yeah. book it all off at Christmas. Good, I, yeah. I remember fondly last year's Christmas. I had a few days to myself and mm-hmm. got really drunk and watched all of The Witcher basically in oh, a day. Oh, true. Oh, that, yeah. yeah. That's good. It was excellent. That was the best yeah. between Christmas and New Year's I think I've ever had. Yeah, good. Oh, well, I'm glad that you're going to take some time off this year. I have between Christmas Day and Christmas, uh, pardon me, Christmas Day and New Year's Day off from work, which both land on a Friday, which means that I have a weekend like in between uh, after Christmas and after New Year's. I'm so excited. Again, the last two Christmases, I worked all Christmas and I'm so excited to have some time off to just lay around and eat and watch Christmas movies. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say you're pretty booked yeah. for that that time because we have to have our terrible Christmas movie marathon. Yeah. I'm so oh, We're already talking Christmas and Halloween just passed, but I Halloween know. was was really good this year despite everything. Mm-hmm. I don't know how it was for you, but we all got dressed up and went out and saw the candy shoots and baskets coming down from balconies on these like rigged up like pulley systems it was it was really really fun really that's so cool it was nice it kind of felt normal 
for did a few it? hours. Oh, I'm glad. Yeah, it I'm did. Glad. We we had some trick or treaters on our street. We live in in a, like a triplex, and the street is lined with triplexes. So pretty much all it, it seemed like quite a few of the houses on the first floors had lights and decorations and there was trick or treaters mm-hmm. and people going up and then very few houses on the second floor were lit. So I think, you know, whoever was going down the street, they had a nice time going, going around to the few houses that were lit up and handing out candy. I'm assuming that in normal years where there's not uh, coronavirus, that more houses are giving out candy on our street, but I guess we'll have to, to wait and see next year. I definitely noticed fewer houses uh, lit yeah. up. I did. I did yell out pretty loudly a couple of times. Give us candy, in the hopes <laughs> that, work? that it, it did not. Um, the one sad thing was some people just left the bowl of candy out, and oh, I know boo. sometimes. Yeah, I know sometimes it's because families are out with their children, so that I understand. Oh, yeah. But I, it's nice to like see people at the door and yeah, you know, chat and show your I costume. Trick or treating. Oh, yeah. I'm so sad that. My last trick-or-treating year, I didn't know it was going to be my last trick-or-treating year, and I still remember it so vividly, and I'm I'm very sad that I haven't gone trick-or-treating in 10 years. Well, you, you, <laughs> you, you may again. One I may. Day. Yeah. We're not making an announcement or anything, but yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. I won't be going trick-or-treating with, with any little ones next year, but maybe in a few years when I have kids of my own, then I'll be able to take them trick-or-treating exactly. and then I can charge them the candy tax. Oh, yeah. it's And it's not just the night of. It's an ongoing tax. Is it? I like Yeah, it. it's basically whatever you feel like mm-hmm. in the immediate moment that you feel like it. It's time That's for good. candy tax. That's what I did candy today. Tax. I took yeah. a, I took a, a large portion of his candy while he, I was working. How did he, he doesn't react? Know. He doesn't know because oh. he got so much candy. I hope that he, can't he doesn't tell. listen to our episode then. <laughs> yeah, probably not. Um, well, we do have an announcement, don't we? Because something we else do. happened over the weekend yes. before Halloween. It was a day before Halloween, yes. I think, Halloween. I think we had spoken about it on a few of the episodes, um, but... Yes, the the day before Halloween, uh, my fiance turned into my husband, and uh, we. How did that a, happen? We went to a notary, and the notary oh. uh, gave us a, a fifteen minute ceremony. And at the end of the fifteen minute ceremony, we were pronounced husband and wife, and we uh, kissed in front of our four witnesses and about 60 people that were watching on a Facebook live stream. <laughs> Including me, who was watching Including Steph the live outside. stream from right outside in my car. <laughs> Which was really so, nice. And then we went outside and there was a few of our friends, including Steph, who were there to surprise us uh, and threw some rose petals on us. And it was just a really, really nice day. It was. It was beautiful. I'm glad that mm. even just the few of us were able to be a part of it. But yeah. like I've I've said a couple of times, it's an excuse for more parties. Exactly. When things exactly. go back to normal. So normal, why yeah. Not? Exactly. But we had fun. And it was we did, and it was it was a nice experience. And uh I know I, I do feel for a lot of people, if there's anyone who's listening to the episode right now, who had to postpone their wedding. Yeah. Um 
or a birthday or, you know, whatever, I, I do feel for them. And it's definitely been a difficult, difficult year for that. And for, you know, for my husband and I, unfortunately, we didn't really have the option to postpone our wedding, seeing as he needs to become a permanent resident of Canada sooner than yep. later. So uh, for us, it wasn't an option, but you know, there are better days ahead in coming. And we'll, like you said, we'll be able to celebrate any excuse for a second or third party with uh, champagne and, and good food. I think I am a hundred percent in. I don't think that in. I know that I know <laughs> I'm in. I will be there. I'll be there wherever, wherever it is. This country, the world, that country, (laughs) that country. Yeah. doesn't matter wherever you go. I can, I can always count on you to be with me. Absolutely. You know that. (laughs) Awesome. So is today's story about like a, like like mysterious disappearances of brides immediately after their weddings? No, you know, I, I was looking into, I, I thought that since this would be the first episode after I, I went from being a miss to being a missus. I wanted to do something wedding themed, but I haven't quite put my finger on the perfect story. So because, you know, Halloween just passed by and there are some creepy crawly things that are walking out and about around the town on Halloween, I thought we would take our first plunge in this series into some cryptozoology. Mm. And keeping it Canadian, I thought that we could talk this week about the Ogopogo. Do you know could what the you, Ogopogo could you, is? Could you say that again? Yeah. Do you, do you not know what Ogopogo is? I do, but I want to hear you say it again. Did I say it wrong? No, it's just a, <laughs> it's just a funny Ogopogo. word. Ogopogo. Like Ogopogo. Yeah. I like it. I have heard this. This, yes. this of this creature before. Yes. I I heard about it recently. I actually discovered, I had heard about it, but I, I learned a little bit more. It caught my eye a few weeks ago when I was scrolling through Facebook and one of the news outlets that I followed showed a story of a man out um, in British Columbia, which is where the Ogopogo lives, who Mm -hmm. had captured definitive air quotes, uh, definitive footage of the existence of the Ogopogo. So I started doing a little bit more research into it. And I said, well, sooner than later, we're going to have to talk about it. So this week might as well be the week. And uh, we're going to learn a little bit more about about that that guy. Well, I'm glad we're talking about this because it gives me an opportunity to speak of one of the loves of my cryptozoology life, who's a little bit south of us here in Lake Champlain. I guess, oh. I think a, I think a cousin, possibly. Oh, really? I haven't Ogopogo. heard of this. Oh, well, I want to hear. I want to hear about your dude. The uh, this being this beast, I guess we'll this, say this creature. Yes, this, this creature. lovely this lovely lake creature. So I want to hear about this one first. Sure. So uh, so first of all, Ogopogo is a cryptid which is a word that I didn't know before we started this podcast together. So in case anybody out there also does not know what a cryptid is, I looked up the definition and a cryptid is an animal such as the Sasquatch or a Sasquatch or Sasquatch. Is it a or the, are there multiple Sasquatch? Sasquai? Um, it would, it would be Sasquatches, I guess. And there have been multiple reports of, 
of, of those guys more of more than one yeah definitely yeah okay so uh, an animal such as a sasquatch or the loch ness monster everyone knows and loves the loch ness monster that has been claimed to exist but has never scientifically been proven to exist so that's what a cryptid is and cryptids fall into cryptozoology which is, uh, and this is another definition that I took off of the internet, uh, is a pseudoscience and a subcultures that aims to prove the existence of entities from folkloric records, such as, for example, Bigfoot, a Sasquatch, uh, Loch Ness Monster, etc. And cryptozoologists refer to all of these entities as cryptids, uh, which was a term that was coined by the subculture. I think the first usage of the word cryptid was was in the 80s so it's not that mm. old of a word but because it does not actually follow a scientific method it is considered a pseudoscience by the academic world and is neither an actual branch of zoology nor uh, folkloristics and cryptozoology was originally founded in the 1950s by actual zoologists uh, Bernard Hovelmans and Ivan T. Sanderson. So that's just a little bit of background on cryptozoology for those who, like myself, were not well-versed in the subject. And Stephanie, I know that you yourself are something of a zoologist, like an actual uh-huh. zoologist, not a cryptozoologist uh, in your in your spare time and for work in the past. Uh, sure. I'd love if that was my title. <laughs> it is not. Yes, I have a passion for animals. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, that is true. Um, as for cryptids, I love hearing about them. And um, it's funny, I never think of these things and then we're talking in the podcast and I start to remember moments where I've encountered things. Mm-hmm. Um, and this would have been, this is like a cryptid. I didn't see anything, No, by the way. Um, but a few years ago, we were driving through the Adirondacks, I believe, in a, in a part of New York that I'd never been in before. And that area, I saw there was a sign and it literally said, like, home of the Sasquatch. Okay. So it had been sighted there multiple times. And, and I was like, I need to Google this right away. And I was researching it in the car and it turned out that there had been sightings of Bigfoot in that area going you know back tens of thousands of years really so the indigenous population that was there they had they had this in their in their folklore and they said like people reported hearing these and this is common with with Bigfoot is hearing these screams and people seeing like and it was like of course it's dusk and the the light is falling around us. And even though we're in the car, I'm like, I don't want to stop here. Mm -hmm. So let's keep going. But yeah. yeah. No. Yeah. And I mean that I was going to ask you, what are your thoughts on cryptids? Like, do you believe in them? Do you think that they must exist or do you have any, any opinions on them or. I like to think they exist. Yeah. I mean, if I saw one, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't immediately try and, I'm sorry, out of fear, I would try and find a rational explanation. But I think that I would, I would like to know that those things still exist because Mm -hmm. it's in the camp of thinking about dragons or unicorns or griffins or all those fantasy type things. Mm -hmm. And I like to think that if they're in stories, the stories had to come from somewhere. I, 
I, I feel like that too. And when I was looking through, you know, doing some research on this and there's so many of these, these things that are popping up and, and so many, you know, manifestations like we're, I mean, we're talking about the Ogopogo here in Canada, which is again out in British Columbia. There's also apparently a Manipogo, which is found in Lake Manitoba in Canada. Hmm. And there is a, Igopogo, which is found in like Simcoe in Ontario. But then there's also like similar types of manifestations that you find. I mean, the Loch Ness Monster, which is one of the most famous cryptids everybody knows about, which is a, a similar a similar type of creature to what we're going to be talking about in a little bit. But I mean, you even find like sea serpent type things all mm-hmm. over the world in, in Africa and in Asia. There are big, big feats in, in North America, <laughs> but then there's also large hominids that you can find in Russia. And yeah. there's the, the chupacabra, which you find in South America. Like there's so many different things that come from so many different parts of the world. You kind of have to wonder how if they're not real, how come so many people are are kind of seeing them? You know what I mean? Well, there's, um, I wouldn't call it mass hysteria. Mm-hmm. Because it's it usually that I don't think it would go that extreme. Mm-hmm. But there's also just the power of suggestion. That's there's true. There's people being drunk and seeing things mm-hmm. and reporting them. There's children seeing things and not quite understanding what they've seen and reporting it exaggerating the report and the other thing um sort of phenomena that happens is occasionally there are escaped exotic animals mm-hmm. that are not from let's say here where they're like in Canada. Yeah, where you see them. they're not they're not indigenous to the place where they've been living and they escape and somebody sees them and they go there is nothing like that here it must be xyz so this would be way before the internet or the proliferation of like encyclopedia and stuff like that. But that could be how stories like that um, came around. The thing in the lake though, Mm -hmm. that's not an escaped zoo animal. Like that's, that's not like a chupacabra type thing that maybe could (laughs) stand to reason that it was something from somewhere else. But this is, this is a little bit different. Right. This is big, right? He's big. So so just to, to give a little bit of information about Ogopogo, uh, just a disclaimer, I'm not at all an expert uh, on Ogopogo. On Are you not? It's cryptozoology. I know what Google ha- and Wikipedia and a, a few researches have told me. So if anyone out there uh, who listens to our episodes, and this is kind of uh, across the board, I think maybe Stephanie will agree. Mm-hmm. If you ever have any comments or anything that important that you think we've ever missed in a in an episode that you know a lot about, please feel free to write in and let us know and we will do updates as we carry on, which I think will be really cool. So the Ogopogo is found out in British Columbia, which is uh, a Canadian province. It is all the way out west. And Ogopogo lives in Okanagan Lake, which is the largest of five interconnected freshwater fjord lakes in the Okanagan Valley in British Columbia. Uh, They have fantastic wine out there as well. Mm -hmm. 
Uh, the Okanagan Lake is named after the First Nations people who first inhabited the area, and it was created when melting glaciers flooded a valley 10,000 years ago, stretches about 127 kilometers wide, which is 79 miles, and has a maximum depth of 232.3 meters, which is 762 feet, and an average depth of 75.9 meters, which is 249 feet. That's pr- that's deep. That is extremely deep. And I just, yeah. I just think that, <laughs> I just think there is no possible way to know what is going on underneath a water, underneath a body of water that is 127 kilometers wide and 762 feet deep at its, you know, maximum depth. There's no way that you can know. So I think that that is one point already on the side of people who believe that Ogopogo actually exists. I mean, it's like it's like the world's oceans. We can say that we've explored them, but there will always be corners that we haven't yet touched. And there's always going to be things that we that we continue to discover that are coming up from in, you know, deep within the depths of the ocean, which is why the ocean is the genuinely most terrifying place on Earth. Uh, yeah, I have a massive fear of water, mm-hmm. like lakes, oceans. Oh, and yeah. it's specifically for that reason. Because you because never know what the hell's down there. Don't know. Actually, even the stuff I do know about, yeah. I don't want to encounter. Oh my gosh, I know. Tell me so, about it. I have a huge fear of stingrays. I oh. I like if I go snorkeling, which I've done a few times, and I see a stingray like at the bottom of the water, like many feet below me, and I'm, you know, snorkeling and splashing around at the top, that's one thing. But one time when we were in the Caribbean I went on an excursion on the ship that I was working on and it was billed as snorkeling and stingrays. And it kind of made it sound as though like you go snorkeling and there's going to be a stingray there, like whatever. But the excursion was snorkeling with the stingrays in about waist high water. And these stingrays are just swimming around you like all the time. And I was terrified like I was so scared and I was just jumping on my husband's back and I couldn't like stand anyways it creeps me out sea life is so creepy but really cool but really creepy and I would I would say lakes as well lakes as well because they're murky yep and there's like seaweed not seaweed lake weed (laughs) yeah I'm not I'm not into it and I I fish so I know what the fish are like. I also Mm -hmm. don't want to really deal with them if I'm in the water. No, exactly. So So, anyway. So we're going to stay on on the surface here and look down. We're going to stay, yeah, on on the surface and look down. So so that's that's what's going on with, uh, with Okanagan Lake. I don't know if I said this before, but just as a fun little side fact, Okanagan Lake has only frozen over, like completely frozen over, during eight winters total in the last 110 years. Wow. So this isn't a lake that's freezing every winter, and you know it it doesn't get that cold out in British Columbia. Uh, I don't know exactly where Okanagan, the, the Okanagan Valley, is in relation to like Vancouver. Um, I think it's inland. I, in a like yeah, it's I think, inland, so it's quite temperate. 
I think so too. And even in, out in Vancouver, like it doesn't get that cold. So mm-hmm. uh, I believe it's, it's kind of the same. It's like the Pacific, you know, the Pacific Northwest of, of the United States. It mm-hmm. rains a lot more than it snows. But fewer serial killers. Just as a note. Few, fewer serial killers out there? Yes. Oh, really? on, on our side of the border, north of the border. Anyway. Oh, please, please <laughs> tell me about this Lake Monster. Let's carry on. So there are varied descriptions of Ogopogo because... I don't think anyone has actually seen the whole Ogopogo, but the certain characteristics that have been repeated throughout decades of sightings, quote unquote. Ogopogo is a green snake-like creature that's about 25 meters long. Oh. Some people have said its head looks like a horse, while other people say that the head is either reptilian or kind of goat-like. A lot of people have even claimed to have photographed Ogopogo, but the photos have been inconclusive. Mm-hmm. Now, on the subject of photos of Ogopogo, uh, there is a man who is known as the Ogopogo Man. His name is Bill Stesiuk, I think, uh, who has a website called ogopogoquest.com. He actually asks people to send in photos of the Ogopogo that they've seen. And he has multiple photos that he claims hmm. he's taken of Ogopogo. And wow. he like takes it upon himself. It's his life's mission to find these photos and find these stories and document them in order to prove that the Ogopogo actually exists. So if you want to go on ogopogoquest.com to find out a little bit more from Bill, uh, you can do there are, I don't know, like, I mean, it's like photos of, of the Loch Ness Monster. They're all very blurry. They're never very, you know, you can't really make out what's in them, which Mm-mm. I think is just kind of funny, especially now with these cameras that we have that can take like crystal clear photos, even in the middle of the night, that even these photos that are coming out <laughs> in the year 2019 are still super blurry and you can't really like make out what's in the picture, you know? Well, you won't be surprised to hear this, but I have theories about why they're so blurry. Mm. So, tell me. Just just so I sound like a total crackpot, mm-hmm. which is, I'm kind of fine with. Um, <laughs> that's the podcast. <laughs> that's fine. Um, one of them is perhaps there. It's some sort of magic mm. surrounding them. I like that idea very mm-hmm. much. Mm-hmm. Not afraid to admit it, and that sort of can distort things. But the other theory, this is like my favorite one from the Loch Ness Monster, mm-hmm. is that there's some sort of time shift in the lake, like a portal to like dino- like a dinosaur age. Mm-hmm. Like one of them, the, who knows, the Jurassic, whatever, yeah. Cretaceous, who knows. Yeah. Um, and the, they're actually just, it's not even the same one. It's like a dinosaur that's somehow come through some sort of wormhole. And comes up and maybe there's something in the time shift that like disrupts the pictures. I've never actually related those two theories of mine before and they don't really make sense. Mm -hmm. But I mean, theoretically, there could be portals and things like that that could cause something Mm -hmm. to travel. Totally. Yeah, totally. I kind of like that idea. Well, I mean, Because then it's a dinosaur that can eat us. And I mean, I don't like it anymore. (laughs) That's true, though. And I mean, there are dinosaurs that are still Mm -hmm. alive. Like the Greenland shark is a is an animal that has been around for 
like, you know, a very long time dating back to when there were still dinosaurs. And, you know, there's no reason to say that these animals or this animal, you know, Mm -hmm. if it does or it doesn't exist, isn't some kind of, again, going back to what we were talking about before. There's no way to know everything that's under the water. They're still discovering new species of fish, you know, frequently. So, so who knows? And they about get like one. they get like scarier and uglier every time you discover one. Every time why? you find a new one. Did they like? Why did they find the cute ones first? Were they just maybe they were just ignoring the ugly ones? I think, but I think the ugly ones, like those, are the ones that live very deep. Yeah. So the deeper they don't have they don't have to look good for anybody. Exactly. The deeper and the darker that the depths get, the uglier and like the more gnarled and twisted you are because you have no sun to make I don't know. I'm just speculating. That's why during the winter time when we set the clocks back, everyone gets all gnarled and ugly because we have no sun to make us beautiful anymore. I like that. I think you <laughs> should ap- approach some biologists with that theory. I agree. I agree. I'm going to be a I'm going to be a scientist now. <laughs> Love it. So, if you go back to the beginning of of the legend of Ocopogo, uh it, it goes back to way way long before European settlers arrived in the Okanagan Valley. Shockingly enough, mm-hmm. we've been knew that there were people living in Canada and in North America before the Europeans decided to come on over and settle roots down and claim things for king and country. And mm-hmm. it won't surprise you, I'm sure, that this legend actually started uh, with the native people that were living out there in that area. So Mm -hmm. the original name of Ogopogo, if you go back to the native legend, is Nahahaita. And that means spirit of the lake. So this was was the name that the Okanagan people gave the spirit of the lake. That's beautiful. They they feared and respected Nahahaita, but they didn't consider it to be a malevolent creature. They would actually make offerings to it when they crossed the lake near a a point called Rattlesnake Island where it was said to live in a cave underneath the island at Squally it's called Squally Point and the creature is depicted in petroglyphs and other forms of art as an aquatic serpent who is said to feed on salmon oh so in the original legend it's it's a spirit but it does take on a physical form so the way that I the way that I see this, you know, there was this legend of this spirit that was guarding the lake, and and it lived in the lake, and it didn't necessarily have malevolent energy, but the people, the Okanagan people, would make sacrifices to it. Mm-hmm. The first like actual reported encounter with Nahahaita or o- Ogopogo was in 1855 when a Métis settler named John McDougall was crossing the lake with his horses tied behind his canoe and the horses Hmm. were suddenly pulled underwater and John McDougall had to cut the ropes in order to stop the canoe from sinking. So this was like the actual first reported uh, encounter with Ogopogo, you know, outside of it's a legend. If that was an animal pulling two horses, that's a big animal pulling horses down. Yeah. That's not like a dog. I know. And, and he said that the, he had done the crossing many times before so this wasn't like mm-hmm. a new thing that he had done where he decided to just tie his horses up behind his canoe you know and then they they drowned he said he had done it many times before so this wasn't 
out of the ordinary except for now the fact the horses were pulled under and he had to cut the ropes in order to stop the canoe from sinking however this was in 1855 so you know a little while ago and then the first reported sighting of ogopogo by a european settler was in 1872 so just about 20 years later when a woman named susan allison was certain that she saw a dinosaur in the lake ah see a dinosaur so i don't know like i i'm kind of of two minds of it i part of me thinks that this is just kind of like white people making you know these legends that were around before them about them if you know what i mean (laughs) yeah no i i i i mean yeah we're laughing i mean yeah it's something we kind of laugh about and because we're uncomfortable with it yeah because it's true but it's but it is true because it's a way to make yourself feel comfortable in a new place Mm -hmm. and canada um to this day is it yes it's very welcoming but it's also it's it's quite brutal Mm -hmm. to somebody who's used to maybe you know living in cities or in europe where it's you know more agricultural people are closer together you come here and in, even in 1872, outside of the major, the couple, the basically two, three major cities, mm-hmm. it's the you're, you know, you're in the you're in the wilds. Mm-hmm. So I can I can see that there would be enormous fear, and yes, you would you would grab onto legends, yeah, and potentially be a little bit paranoid, of course, about what you would see. Also, like, were there ever any? white like the european settlers that like saw horns because that, then it could have been a moose and like if you hadn't seen a moose before that would probably freak you out you know when they go underwater yeah. and they come out and their antlers are full of like the the weeds of stuff yeah yeah like, totally. i'd be terrified if i saw that i mean you know it, it does kind of you can kind of chalk it up to like i'm i'm a european and i've just showed up and I see this thing and I don't know what it is. And I ask around and they say, Oh, well mm-hmm. there's nothing there, but we do have this legend. Then you go, well, of course you guys are talking about this legend. It must be that, you know, yep. that type of thing. And I mean, it's, yeah, it's difficult because <laughs> like, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about it. And I don't know what I believe. I'm probably a bit more on the skeptical side than, than you are stuff. So we have a little bit of a range of what we think and, and what we're believing. I definitely think that there's, like I I said a couple of times before, there's no way to really know exactly what's in these depths of these waters. And case in point, um, back in, I think it was in the 90s, it was uh, in 1991, uh, there was an expedition that was actually launched to find the monster under under the the water in Lake Okanagan using the high tech devices that they had back in their early nineties, mm-hmm. which is a remotely operated uh, vehicle miniature submarine oh, neat. and some sonar equipment and some camera gear. And the pilot took the vehicle down to the very bottom of the deepest part of the lake. So they went all the way down to the bottom, but there was nothing. They didn't find anything. They didn't find any carcasses. They didn't find any bones that shouldn't be down at the bottom of the lake there. So, uh, but they said know. he lived. He said Ogopogo lived in the cave. That's the true. legend. So they should have checked there. They should check the cave. I don't know if they did. That's a good question. There and there so have cold. been there have been people that have you know they've looked and there's again there's pictures and uh, there's a the first actual film 
of mm-hmm. Pogo Pogo was known as the Folden film, and it came, and it was taken in 1968, which showed a large object surfacing in Okanagan Lake, which, lake, which appeared to be over 20 meters long. And upon scientists and researchers actually looking at the video, they did admit, okay, there is something that's popping up in this lake, but there's no, you know, they couldn't conclusively determine what size it was or what it actually was. And, you know, there's videos that have been coming up. Like I said, there's videos from 2019 that show things popping up and waves all of a sudden appearing out of nowhere in the water but they're never conclusive evidence. Have there been any like sinister reports, like besides the horses, which is really awful, but like people going missing or. No, I I don't think so. And I I think, like I said before, the, when you look at, when you Google like pictures of, of Ogopogo, you'll find uh, a lot of depictions of like green scaly fangs. Uh It kind of looks like what the, the traditional Chinese depiction of a dragon would be. That's kind of, kind of what it looks like and what it reminds me of but in the photos there is a photo of of ogopogo that surfaced a little while ago and it was on i saw it on that ogopogoquest.com where it showed a very rounded kind of looking head coming out of the water so even even the the sightings of ogopogo are not all similar and they all kind of look different and one of the main things that that ties in every sighting is the sight of a big wave kind of coming out of nowhere and they've been those have been observed and they've been photographed and it kind of appears when the lake is otherwise calm and there's no other boats or anything on the water but i mean even that can be explained by saying it's underwater currents it's gases yeah yeah for sure some or something shifting like logs at the bottom that literally changing temperatures in the lake could cause that there have been sightings where it looks like there's something long and thin floating on the top of the lake yeah but there's many logging camps throughout you know these lakes and rivers and it could just be logs kind of floating down so there's lots of different explanations for what it could or it couldn't be and in the end you can either chalk it up to well it's probably logs or it's it's probably um schools of fish or otters right. or beavers that are just kind of popping up but it could also be a gigantic serpent that lives in okanagan lake depending on what you believe i like to believe that oh I, i'll go for it yeah i have a specific reason tell me because i like i i love his cousin who you you didn't read about no I'm surprised i'm surprised his or I keep saying his. I feel like he has a male energy. What can I say? <laughs> Angry. No. Like, <laughs> str- like strong and protective of the lake mm-hmm. in that way. Yeah. Um, so south of here, there is a very, very old lake that was a pre- actually was a prehistoric sea that went all the way to the ocean. Mm-hmm. And it, it closed up over time. And that's Lake Champlain, which is a very big famous lake in the east part of uh, the states of mm-hmm. the U.S. Um, and they have one too. They have a lake monster. And what's it called? His, his name is Champ. Champ. Like, his lake, lake like Champlain. Champlain. <laughs> yeah. And they, their baseball team in Vermont, or possibly 
that northern part of New York is the lake monsters. Oh, cute. So that that um that particular sea monster or lake monster is quite quite the local celebrity and it's the same thing people try and take pictures i've seen the blurry grainy photo of good old of like the the back and maybe a bit of a head and that's also a very deep lake so if you ever go on the ferry i know you can go and keep an eye out for for champ i think it's just it's like the cutest thing they really marketed this particular lake monster very well Mm -hmm. he has yeah he has like a great publicity team I was going to say, like, Champ sounds like a friendly guy. Like, like yeah. he's going to pop up and he's going to take pictures with the fans and he's going to toss the opening pitch at the baseball game. Like, that's the kind of guy he sounds like to me. <laughs> They've definitely spun him or her that way. Yeah, I like that. Uh, one of my favorite things to to explain things that live in, in the depths, like the Loch Ness Monster, like Ogopogo, or maybe like like our friend Champ, uh, which I think is kind of hilarious is when whales breach and you yes. kind of see <laughs> when you see the male, the males that breach and then you see their, you know, male parts flopping out of the water. And oh, yes, people think that it's monster heads and that could actually explain quite a few sea serpent sightings that people have had over the years that it's just dude whales showing their junk to the world i'm i I can see why if you were far enough away yep you might think that right you might think but how would they get into a lake whales yeah i don't know that's and that's a good question i don't know if lake okanagan connects out to the ocean but i do not believe so well i mean we had a whale that made its way up that's true. Lawrence River to Montreal. So I would love to know if there was that sort of access. We have a pretty big river mm-hmm. here. And that whale would have stopped here because it got too narrow. Like she wouldn't have gone into the lake system. But I mean, the thing is, no. I'm not saying it couldn't happen because it has. Like there have been. Um, cetaceans and whales that have gotten into into lake systems oh of course i'm looking at a map to see oh no i think it's on the other side of the mountains possibly uh yep nope they (laughs) there's no access to the pacific ocean well as long as as well as being a medical doctor a cryptozoologist and a cryptozoologist i'm also um, a geography expert true as you can tell of course but uh, i don't know about you but i would love to go out to to okanagan to the okanagan and go out to Kelowna in british columbia and see if we could catch our own sighting of of the ogopogo of nahaha ita and enjoy some nice wine while we're out there because it really just looks beautiful i think i actually know somebody who lives on that lake do you ask if if they've ever seen Mm -hmm. ogopogo or if they know somebody who has you should then we can get a story we could get a story of that that would be awesome what about you listeners have tell us have you seen ogopogo chap loch ness monster bigfoot something 
some log floating in the lake somewhere and you want to make it into a lake monster i'm down i'll, I'll, take I'll it. listen <laughs> i'll listen absolutely to it. i'm into it so uh that is our that is our episode on on ogopogo i hope that we all learned something new because i i sure did i did i didn't know all that stuff about where the legend came from and i love the idea of the cave yeah the petroglyphs and i think that also confirms my theory about underwater portals to the dinosaur age to back in time i like it yeah the land before time the land before time what a sad film i know (laughs) can't believe what our parents used to show us there Here, were, put this on. There were so many of those movies. I remember watching, there was quite a few of them, and I, I had quite a few on VHS that I would watch with my brother and sister. I think there's also a very sad movie that they made about... A good dinosaur. Uh, I don't know if I saw that. No, specifically about the Loch Ness Monster or, like, one of its babies. Oh, no. I don't... I don't that sounds But sad. it's sad because, like, the thing is with all these, the cryptids and the cryptozoologies, it's so fun to talk about and you you know people take their photos of whether it is one or not mm-hmm. but if anything was ever truly discovered especially the really legendary ones mm-hmm. like bigfoot or the loch ness monster and and even a- this applies to aliens too things like that they would be locked in a cage yeah to be studied right it's yeah. so yeah, it's this weird or or killed to be taken apart. Or ki- exactly. So there's this we have this fascination, but I think the people who are really passionate about it, yes, I think they want proof, but I think also they want to keep them you have to keep some of the magic and mystery there. Mm-hmm. I think that's sort of part of it. I, I wouldn't agree. like I wouldn't like to think of them going into a lake and pulling a creature out. No, definitely to not. To study it, you know. Yeah. I agree. Full, fully agree. Well, we can't get to BC, but if we can ever cross the border again, mm-hmm. we can go try and find the smaller cousin champ. Good old champ. Well, uh, I'm I'm looking forward to the time that we can do that. And in the meantime, there's always the chance for you listeners who have traveled out to British Columbia, like we were saying, out to Scotland, uh, down to Lake Champlain or anywhere else in the world who have these fancy and funky stories of cryptids or anything really that you've seen or heard of and you'd like to share with us, you can always get in touch with us and uh, let us know all about that. Yes. So we will take those stories. And as usual, we are taking any of your paranormal or mysterious event stories Mm -hmm. because we want to do more of those listener episodes because we had so much fun getting those in Mm -hmm. and getting freaked out. So you can email us at radiomidnightpodcast at gmail.com. And another way to get in contact with us is on Instagram at Radio Midnight Podcast. Awesome. Thanks, Steph, for listening. Thank you, listeners, for listening. And uh, we're back, as we said last time, we're back on our normal schedule. So we will be back in two weeks' time with some more fantastic and spooky stories. Wonderful. So keep tuning in to Flow Spirit Radio, where we're airing exclusively. And after that, you can find us on your favorite podcast platforms. Thank you all. Bye. Bye.